When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Province Sports Podcast. Welcome to the White Tail Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman joined with... Ed Willis today, or joined by Ed Willis. Uh, just to let people know, this will be our last podcast of the year. Um, with Christmas break, people off, uh, we will be looking ahead uh, to the first week in January. We'll get back at it. Today with Ed, we're going to talk a little bit about the Canucks' current problems. We'll look at their, uh, basically, their struggles on the ice, the coach, the front office, and maybe look back with it being a year-ender and maybe look forward a little bit ahead and see where this team is going, which is where. Yeah, You, you know, you, you were just talking there, and it, this has kind of been bugging me for a while. This is the end of the decade. Every decade, and there have been a couple of them, I've been in this business, there's been a flood of end of the day, you know, all decade teams, most important points in the decade, all these, you know, end of the decade stories, trying to put it in some kind of perspective what just happened. I haven't seen one. And you just think, I just Maybe thinking you about should the, write one then. <laughs> I was hey, Ed, just I thinking about the Canucks. For you should do tomorrow. <laughs> I was just thinking about the Canucks. You know, well, who would be on their all-decade team? What were the significant moments, good and bad? And there's well, more of the latter than the former. But you know, I, I agree with you. I mean, and I think there's there seems to have been a lack of that sort of almost. Uh, league-wide, but maybe it's the Canucks' 50th anniversary thing has kind of stolen some of the thunder from that. Um, we're too busy wrapped up revisiting yeah, the I careers so. of right. Jerry Quite. Gillis yeah. <laughs> <laughs> than to, to, the to get the into Kurt what Ridley Christian is still my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no I get Ridley, that. No, but, but, but it's, not just, it's, it's, not, it's not just <laughs> us. It's everywhere. Like I said, it's, you know, it used to be like wire services would, be, would just be flooding these things out one after another as, you know, the decade was about to click, click over. It was just a thought I had. But, but no, but on that, I, yeah. I, I find it's a, well, let's just go with it. It's, it's a very interesting point because what a decade for the Canucks. You yes. look at how it started how it and started. where they were yeah. and where it's finished. And unfortunately, we were just talking, We you know, we did one of our White Tail videos as well. We were just talking about how, you know, this team – Record-wise, has seems to have made no progress over two years ago. When you look at the pieces that they've added, whether it's through trade, free agency, or draft, they were supposed to be better this year. So, what's happened? Well, yeah, that uh, a good question, and and I guess you can look at it one of two ways. Is this just kind of part of the normal ebbs and flows of the regular season? You know, they had a really hot start. Now maybe it's a market correction. Maybe it's that simple. But it. it it's not that easy for this team because of what's happened the last four seasons. 
And that kind of like doomsday nightmare scenario is just hanging over this team. And I think the faithful are going, oh, geez, here we go again. It's not so much that they're kind of two games over 500, but they're, they're like, I believe, 7, 12, and 1 over their last 20. And that's a pretty significant sample size. And there's just been too many nights where they just haven't looked competitive. Uh, at key points in the game. And then that, nights like that, like Montreal isn't very good. You know, they're in a, they're in a road swing. Canucks have them at home. That should have be, the lead. that, that should be a win. That, 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 that San Jose team is terrible. I was there on, uh, on Saturday night and then same kind of thing, except the Canucks pull an absolute no show in the first period. Dominate the last two, but by then they're chasing the game and, and, and they can't put it together. Um, Las Vegas is, I'm sorry, I'm just running kind of through the, yeah, well, you were on the you know, what, what yeah. I saw, what I saw on the weekend. Las Vegas is like every game they played against Las Vegas since the Golden Knights came into the league. I mean, they, they've got one win and it was in a shootout. Uh, so they're, what are they? I, I think that makes them one seven and one, but, Vegas also got a point in that one game, so Vegas, from their point of view, uh, is undefeated against them. And since they came into the lead, they've been bigger, faster, more skilled. Like, how does that happen? I know that you could say that about a lot of teams, but it's such a bad look for the Canucks. And parenthetically, I'm headed down to Seattle uh, this weekend to do a, you know, a story. And, and I'm just wondering, boy, what if they hit the ground running? Yeah. What if in, in the first they year should, they're right? where the Canucks are and yeah, and we're going through the same thing over again, all over again? But that's, I mean, and I've seen that argument that if you're, um, you know, if you're spending the kind of money you are, that if you're Vegas or Seattle, it's not the old Cleveland Barons model. No, no, I get that. Yeah. Through yeah. The dra- and so, like, that will be a fear for the Canucks. But that was almost what they were supposed to do here, isn't it? Cleaning out the core and having a fresh start. And I think that when you when you talk about a hot start and a market correction, that's that's been the story the last three years. Yeah. The Canucks have started well, faded, looked okay after Christmas, and then crashed at the end. And I'm just I, – I, the big question that I'm seeing raised in the last couple of days, and I'm not sure why. I mean it hasn't been a good month for the Canucks, and they have lost three in a row. But now, because it's been the same story three years, it's the GM and the coach. Mm-hmm. Are either of them seriously uh, – they're obviously under pressure, but are, are either of them seriously in jeopardy of not – continuing on for next season. You mean something happening yeah. this season, in the middle well, of the season? Or, or the end of the season. I, I, okay, I'd say it's, it's one of two still things. Written, I think sure. if, if something happens during the season, it'll be it'll be the coach. I think if something happens at the end of the season, it'll be the general manager. That's just kind of the way the way it goes. Um, you know, and again, coming, you know, this is Benning's fifth year. This is Green's third year. Uh, they're just being judged by a different standard now and showing a slight improvement. You know, they never mentioned playoffs. It was always take the next step or show some improvement. It, it was couched, but the code was playoffs, right? Yeah. And, and, and being in and around it, and I don't think it's completely necessary that they make the playoffs. That would certainly answer a lot of questions. I just look at that West now, the teams that are above them and the teams that are chasing them, and I, I, I just don't see it, um, barring a complete turnaround here. Uh, so that brings that in. And, you know, and as we've talked about before on this show, ownership is a wild card in this. And it's not like they've been predictable, but they haven't demonstrated a lot of patience in years no, past. No, but that, that is the interesting question. And I think that, I mean, first of all, it's so easy to say, um, you know, change the GM, uh, yeah. change, you know, fire the coach. He's gone, gone as far as he can with this group. But when you look at the teams that they're chasing, 
Uh, you look at the move that Arizona pulled off. You start, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton are very similar to the Canucks in the way that I find that they they look like ah here they are, and then like oh no, they're not there yet. So th- those streaks are, are there. Obviously, it's been a weird season in Calgary uh, with the, the coaching situation there. But when you look at all the teams around them. Um, that may be the toughest thing. It's not like they're chasing one team and one team to get after. It's going to be incredibly competitive. Do you see, whether it's ownership or the front office making the move, do you see the, the Canucks having to do something to keep up with the neighbors here? Well, yeah, they, they could, and I, I think I'd be very fearful of that oh. if, if I'm a Canucks fan because I, I, I just don't, they made the moves in the off season. You know, we've talked about yeah. that. You know, they, they they changed four you know key parts and then traded for Miller. So I mean, that's that's almost a third of their you know their their, their lineup, not in, not including goalies, and even Demko's a bit of a new piece there. Yeah, I'm one of the so one of the next two years they don't have their first rounder, so yeah, that's yeah, again yeah. factored into where this team is going. Right? No, so 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 that was it. I mean, you know, I, I I don't see it, and I don't see a move that's out there anyways, and I think that's why the Sven Berchi thing caught a little oh. bit of traction over the weekend. I mean, to me, it's almost a non-story, and it's basically because the you know the agent spouts off because he's either getting grief from his, his 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 client or he's just growing frustrated. But there's just no market for him. This guy, you know, and maybe if a couple of injury more injuries pile up and he continues to light it up in the AHL, he's held up his end of the bargain in the AHL, no question about that. But again, it's just it's kind of more fodder for the Andy Benning faction, and you know, kind of rightfully so. He's sitting there with two more years left on a deal at three three million plus per, and he's not on the NHL team. And Louis Erickson is in the press box, and now you can start looking at some of the trades that have been made over the year. Yada yada yada. I mean, you know, it's fairly easy to build a case, and especially considering this was supposed to be the year. Benning was the guy who sold ownership on this idea. We can we can be competitive. We can get in the playoffs, and it's not going to have to take four years like Trevor Linden yeah. said it was. So you know you add Tyler Myers, you add uh, Jordy Ben, you've got Quinn Hughes for a full year. Um, they were supposed to be better. I know you obviously you have the concussion issues with Demko. It's been a personal situation, uh, you know, with, with Jacob Markstrom losing his father. But defensively, this team. Doesn't seem uh, certainly compared to the start of the year mm-hmm. where they did start well. Defensively, seems to be where there's almost more problems there. Uh, I know I I can't remember the exact stat, but they've given up the first goal in yeah, so many yeah, of yeah, the yeah, yeah. of the last twelve games. It is. Um, what is the issue for you? Like when you watch this team play now versus when they played well, and you were just on the road trip. Is there an issue with the coaching? Is it confidence? Is it injuries, which they always say they won't use as an excuse? Like, why Why has this team gone off the boil? Well, it, it, there's such a grab bag of things. And, you know, so the games I watched, for instance, a power play goal in either one of those games might have changed things dramatically. Penalty kill was atrocious against Vegas. It was atrocious again last night in Montreal. Markstrom hasn't been bad. But he was the, he he was the second best goalie in in, in all three games that, that they've lost here here recently, and, and you know, and I I wonder. I mean, the the goal Green's goal has always been to play like kind of an up tempo, pressure oriented game. I'm just not sure if he's got the team to do that. They're kind of a uh, kind of caught between this netherworld of I I think Benning's vision of the team is to be like a Boston Bruins kind of a heavier team a grinded out team with some skill 
And I think Green's vision is to be a little more, um, like I said, speed-oriented, pressure-oriented. And I just don't know if they've got the horses to do that. I, I, I'm just flashing back to, you know, we were talking about Tyler Mott coming back into the lineup. And he, like he's a fourth-line player, but, you know, Green was going on about him, about his attributes, about, you know, his speed, about his tenacity on the forecheck, about how he closes down people and takes away time and space. And I thought, you know, that's kind of, to me, indicative of what he would like this team to be. And it's just not. And then, again, the other point is, and I keep talking about this, but but their young players are kind of going through the ups and downs all young players go through. Uh, Brock Besser had, for me, his worst game as a Canuck against Montreal. Um, Seems to be a confidence issue. Seems to be another thing. You know, now they're mixing the lines up. Uh, Pedersen's been okay. He just hasn't been able to carry this team to be a real leader. The one guy who's done that in my opinion, has been J.T. Miller, the guy who kind of shows up, plays the heavy minutes, who, you know, really plays like a leader. He just hasn't had a lot of help recently. It, it is curious to me when I look at, you know, it's the whole is, is greater than the sum of its parts argument. Uh, when you do look, you know, yes, their young skill players are going to have ups and downs, right? But if I look at the team as how it's constructed, and there are obviously questions about what they'll do with Markstrom's contract going forward, but... Um, Goaltending doesn't seem to be a huge problem. They did upgrade the defense. They've got some very good sort of one-off stories in what Josh Lavo has done. Uh, Pearson, um, Jake's looks like he's taking a step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, so you look at all these little things that should add up to the team making significant progress, and here they are again, where they were last year and where they were the year before. Um, so. Is there an argument to be made, and I know ownership won't like this, and I know fans won't like it, to stay the course, to just accept that this is a young team, it's still learning, it is a process in the NHL that you have to get through the length of the season and and go through these lapses in confidence. Is, is there an argument to be made that they should just keep going with what they've got and they may not get the results yet, but they will come? Or... Is this not working and you have to do something? No, I'm inclined to agree with the former more than the latter. Like like I said, I I don't know where else they go from there unless you start, unless you peel off one of those young core pieces and try and shake it up that way. Uh, The free agents they brought in this year, I I guess Ben would be the exception. I think he has, he's on a two year, but but the rest of them are all on multi year deals. So I don't see them going anywhere. And quite frankly, I'm not sure if they're tradable right now, anyways. so, so like I, getting back to it, you know, they've kind of put the pieces together and in the off season, and this was their team going forward. And I'm not sure how you change course again. And if there is a regime change, that's one of the fearful things I, I've got because I think we've seen a couple of things over the year. I think really good hockey people are a little fearful about signing up for this ownership group. They just haven't been able to bring in that guy. So uh, I, I, I'm not sure who, you know, what visionary general manager are you going to bring in who's going to change things? But they might have to, just in terms of co- consumer confidence. And I think the same thing holds true for coaching. What coach are you going to bring in short of Mike Babcock, who's really going to, you know, like inspire some confidence in, in this marketplace? You know, having said all that, I'm sure that's what they're going to do. Because <laughs> I can remember sitting here four years ago, and they're not going to hire John Tortorella. No, they can't possibly. They <laughs> did hire John Tortorella, so yeah. But it, it that I mean that that's always the argument. I, 
fans are entitled to to yell and scream and start hashtag campaigns, whatever they want to do. But yeah, what would like? What's your plan B if if Travis Green isn't your guy? Yeah. Who is like? And I know that there are you know there's always people out there, especially if you go sort of the young, um, you know, the new breed of coach. But at the same time, I, this to me would be an attractive job if you were a coach mm-hmm. who wanted to come into a situation. Um, you've got some pretty good young pieces to work with. It's not like this was four years ago. So I, I just I, that's where I do find, find this season fascinating in terms of where we're going to end up because there was an expectation and there are little signs as well, like. You know, you've mentioned it a few times here about ownership's impatience or about fans' impatience. Um, things like the Leafs game not selling out, mm. right? And this is their 50th anniversary season. They've got something. We've, we've already talked this year about the excitement over the uniforms. We are sort of reaching this point where I think that we know that they're not where they're supposed to be. So, I, but I don't know how they get over that hump because, as you said, where's your change? Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah it, it's a great point. All I can tell you is, until recently, the atmosphere in that building was different. This isn't, you know, like like I I call them the Jason Magna years, you know, where they were trotting out players who clearly didn't belong in the NHL just because there was no depth in the organization, and a lot of the moves Benning made that were supposed to address that just didn't work out. So it, 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 I, I think I see that, and I think people are kind of willing to be give them the benefit of the doubt. I patience probably not, but but I think as long as they're seeing those signs, as long as they're seeing that you know Patterson is continuing to move towards stardom, and Besser will be an impact player, and as long as they can see those kind of things, and you can go up and down the line if that applies to so many players, I think fans are willing to give this team a break, but they're not willing to sit through another year where we're sitting here. In in mid-February, and they're in 13th place and just not competitive. And there's just been too many nights recently where that's been the case. Again, I, 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 I do get puzzled at the reaction sometimes about money because it's not, it's not your money as a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, we know how much the owners do value their money, though. But is this where the salary cap really is an issue? That this team now has, you know, you can blame the Luongo recapture, and but I, you know I've seen these arguments now about Furland. Obviously, Louis Erickson's the poster boy for spending too much. But is this where, when you talk about you're not sure what they do, how can they blow it up? Sort of moving one of the young pieces. This is where they've painted themselves into the corner, really, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah. there's with the the contracts they've signed and the way the NHL is structured, there's very little wiggle room for them here. And they did that in the off season. Yeah. Like, they, they made choices. Okay, you know how are we going to allocate our resources? What well, we're going to you know we're going to sign Tyler Myers. We're going to sign Furland. Um, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna trade for JT Miller, which is almost like a free agency. I know there's a hockey component to the yeah. trade, but you're taking on, you know, uh, you know, another four years at five and a half. And, you know, I, for me, he's been value for the money, but that's still, you know, fairly, fairly significant investment. Yeah. So th- that's it. So, so I guess their choice was, you know, do we kind of wait and see where we are and leave ourselves some wiggle room under the cap to make moves once the season starts? And they, they reached the, and I think it was a reasonable conclusion. Look, we have to hit the ground running here. We have to be ready to go. And, and and for a while, it looked like right up until that first week in November, it looked like that was going to be the case. And now we've seen what's happened since. Let's talk about their young players a little bit. You know, you mentioned that um, Pedersen, Besser, we'd marveled earlier in the year that the team was doing as well as they were without these guys having like absolutely lights out years. Lights yeah, out yeah, years. Yeah. Um, 
what's it going to take for them to get back to what we've seen in the past? Are these just the struggles of a young player or or do they need to fundamentally change something? Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Again, I'm more inclined to think that, you know, this is kind of the the way it goes in the NHL unless you're in that super elite category. You go through ups and downs and there is a, you know, there is a learning curve there before you establish yourself as a, you know, a, a bona fide NHL frontliner. And that's what they're hoping is going to be the case with all these guys. And I think we can throw Bo Horvat into the mix, too. I kind of hope that he would have taken another step yeah. this year and just haven't seen. He's still a really solid player. You'd, you'd want him on your team. But is he going to be a driver? Is he going to be one of the people who can you know, lead, this things, lead, lead this thing out of the swamp? And I'm not sure if it is. I I, I don't know. I like individually. I, I just did kind of what everybody sees. I mean, Pedersen still kind of gives up physically a little too much to be an elite sentiment. He still skills are crazy off the charts. That that much is obvious. But if you're going to be that you know that night in night out dri- di- difference maker, I think you have to have a little more physical. Uh, Besser um, is his skating holds him back. He's just an average skater. And again, he's fine. I think he's amply proved he's going to be like a 25 goal scorer. Is that good enough? I think they're counting on him to be that frontline sniper type. The guy you can count on to 30 to 35, who's like a star in today's NHL. Uh, Quinn Hughes has come as advertised. I don't think anybody could, you know, ask for much more than that. Um, I keep look, I keep, I'm sorry, I'm just morbidly fascinated with Jake Vertan. <laughs> you just see, you see what he's capable of. And, and I thought he was very good against Montreal. I thought, you know, he was engaged and a little more driven and, 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 and focused than a lot of games I've seen, I've, I've seen him in. So I, you know, uh, you know, that, that, you know, the speed and size package he's got. There's not a lot of players just from the just the pure physical tools. Now, can he think the game? Can he process the game? Can he play the game at the high, at a higher level at, at both ends of the ice? Those are the questions. But you know, is that is that going to happen? I know we've been asking this for about three four years. He wouldn't be the first guy. It took a while for for, for that to kick in. But if that does happen, it, it, it's fascinating because he to me he's the kind of guy who. You could see the Canucks making the playoffs and he'd be the key on them going yep. to a run. Like yep. he would be the guy whose skill and intensity would just pop out knowing how, like rather than being the grind of the NHL season, you could honestly see like a, a coming out party for Jake Vertanen with his skill in, the, in a playoff series. But you got to make the playoffs first, I guess. Yeah. yeah, at least you'd hope that's the case. Cause again, you know, we, we talked about, you know, he had a couple of good games and I just might disappear for another two, three, a couple more. That just doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah. Um, but again, so what, what do they do? You know, do, do, do they cut and run? They've kind of made the decision here. They're going to go with Pearson. They're going to go with Levo. They're going to go with Frutanen in the lineup. And Berchi and Nikolai Goldoman are going to spend the year in the minors. Again, you know, we can kick that around back and forth, but that's clearly the direction they've gone Well, here. They're both, they've both been given a shot, uh, those guys, and, and really didn't have much impact. If you were hoping that, yeah. you know, they're rebuilding their game down there and they're going to come up and have an impact. Again, that's... The fascinating part of the season for me is when you look at all these things, it's like, okay, well, two guys who were on the roster full-time last year, and even you look at Erickson as well, not good enough to make this team yet. The team's in exactly the same spot <laughs> that it was before. It really is running on ice. Um, is that a function of perhaps the teams around them getting better? 
as well? Yeah. Well, again, you know, for me, the big question about this, see, there, there were a couple of them, but among the big questions was, yes, the Canucks are better, but in relation to what? And again, and I, I wanted to get into this, I'm just fascinated by that Arizona team because, yeah. you know, Three, four years ago, they were basically in the same place. They, they were just no hopers. There were too many players who just didn't belong in the NHL in the lineup. And it's not like Phoenix has gone, or Arizona, excuse me, has gone crazy in the draft. They've developed some nice pieces yeah. along the way. But it's just more like they've grabbed a guy here, they've grabbed a guy there. Now they've traded, you know, they've traded for Kessel, they've traded for Taylor Hall. Those are their big moves. Those are their yeah. impact guys. But there's a structure there in place around them. And now you've added a higher level player. I mean, I was really interested to see the Canucks played them before the Hall acquisition. Now I'm really interested. Uh, because if we're going to take the Canucks seriously as a playoff team, to me, they had to finish ahead of Arizona. That was kind of, the, 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 the Arizona's kind of the over-under in the Western Conference, uh, for the Canucks. But, but again, you know, all the things the Canucks have talked about doing, Arizona's done it. You know, they brought in a coach. You know, they, they brought in a coach. They've established a culture. They've established a style of play. They build a defense. And then they're doing it, they're doing it with, uh, you know, a goalie, you know, Dar- Darcy Camber, who really had no profile. Or he was at best a career backup, but you know, look at him this year. So I, again, they, they've got them four times here in the coming up in the second half of the season. Those are going to be really interesting games for me to watch. It's funny you bring up Kemper. I mean, goaltending to me is the most. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's crazy. It, it, Jordan it, it, Bennington is guy every year. It is, yeah. and and Devin Dubnik, and, I know, and yet like it's such an important position. Yeah, you, you can't trade for a goalie. Like, no one will give up anything for goalie. We see this going back to the yeah. Longo Schneider situation. You think, you know, like, if, if you're a football and you have two quarterbacks, well, you know, there's a great asset you can move along. If you don't have a goalie, you're not going anywhere in the NHL, yet there's no market. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a great point. And, and it, the reason why I think there's no market, because you can seemingly get them anywhere. You can go into the minors and pull Jordan Bennington up and win a Stanley Cup with them. It's crazy. Yeah. I know. <laughs> the year Chicago one with, with uh, the, the the Finnish kid, Anti. Uh, oh yeah, Niemann. Yeah. yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you, Niemi. Uh, Anti Niemi. Sorry, <laughs> Finnish goalies for five hundred, Alex. Um, yeah, Devin, 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 De- De- <laughs> you know Devin. He was Swedish. Devin De- Devin Dubnik. Remember, you know, he, yeah. he kind of they pluck him in the way he saves the wild season that year. So that's why, and it's kind of a great conundrum. You're right. You can't go into a season and have any thoughts of being competitive or making the playoffs if you've got a huge question mark and goal. But teams are willing to kind of, you know, kind of do that shotgun approach. Look, we've got these three guys. Yeah. I bet one of them can do it. It's like, so here, and I, I really should have thought of an answer before I asked this question, but like, who would you say, you know, if we're talking about the NFL, you could rattle off the name of the best three quarterbacks, four quarterbacks, whatever it is. And I think we'd all have a, you know, a similar idea. Most important position in the game in football, most important position in the game in hockey. Now, who would you say are the best goalies in the NHL? I don't know. I mean, I keep seeing, you know, obviously (laughs) Bennington had this great, I keep seeing like people talk about Carey Price as having a Carey Price year, but he's not Carey Price anymore. They always speak almost in this, this ethereal nature of him and he still carries a superstar tag. And yet, 
That's you know, right. they're saying he's not the goalie he was yeah, five yeah, years ago, but he's still... was the last time Montreal made the playoffs. Right. So, with, with supposedly the best goalie in the game. I know, there, to me, there's like three or four guys that, you know, are just kind of like have a body of work that you kind of go, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's real. The, the way it the Olympics, right? Huh? If you were to have... That's right. If the yeah, NHL that's was still in the Olympics, going, yeah. who's going to make it, who's yeah. going to make those teams? And it's just, you're right. It's, it's more like flavor of the month now than it was in 2010, where you're like Luongo, Berdur, like they, they were yeah. the staples. Now you're absolutely right. It's like, yeah. well, what week is it? You know, although I think for the Leafs, and that's, it comes down to your point of it being the most important position. You can talk about John Tavares. You can talk about Austin Matthews. You can talk about Mitch Marner mm-hmm. and all these other pieces. You, the Leafs fortunes have completely rode on Frederick Anderson. Yeah. When you look at how the season's gone and last year and everything else. So, uh, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see after Christmas where this, where, where the league is going in a sense, because, uh, you know, obviously we've got the Canucks struggles, but as you talk about playoffs and you look at these teams, you know, what's Edmonton doing? Can Calgary fully get back on track? Vegas is just so steady. You look at the teams all around them. I mean, yes, there's some really bad teams in the West. You talked about San Jose and how far they've fallen. Yeah. And the interesting thing there is, I remember doing podcasts with you a couple of years ago where we were all talking about Carlson and, and, you know, is, we know this is a move that the owner wants, but can they commit it? And once Pedersen was in there, was a, does that entice him as another Swedish player? Like you, it just shows you how quickly you can go the other direction as well. Oh yeah. No, I, I mean, and they're looking at like huge dollars for Carlson. I think it's for seven more years. Yeah. That is going to be an al- that that's going to make Louis Erickson's contract look like a, a good deal. You know, and talking about this, and I, I think we've kind of mentioned this in, in other, you know, like with the Hall trade, though, it comes up again. Look at Jersey with the first overall pick two of the last three years, I believe. Yeah. Um, and Hall, you know, and a decent enough supporting cast. And they're in the dumpster too. It's just it. it they've gone. There's, there's no just things, this, your fortunes change so quickly yeah, in the NHL. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It's just this element of serendipity. Look at Nashville. So, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't count them out just yet. No, but there but they, they are. When know. they lost in the finals, the idea was they'll be back. Sure. I look at Winnipeg. Yep. Same thing. Winnipeg. Oh, they're making slow progress. They lost in the conference finals, but they're on the right track. And I think that's where, if you're a Canucks fan, you look. Um, at the role of the GM, the role of the coach, and do you do you go a couple of steps back to try and get over the hump uh, by reversing field and have a bit of a fresh start, or do you stay the course? I think um, I'm not sure how many people are in those highest level advisory committee meetings at Rogers Arena, but I think that that's a massive question for yeah. them to answer yeah. it. And, and that's why, okay, we, you, you talk about this, the last month hasn't been good. They've lost three games in a row where they haven't been good. They haven't played Sterling opposition. You look at these teams coming up. You and I talked about it earlier. You know, you got Pittsburgh coming in. I think they've got LA a couple mm-hmm. of times. Um, Vegas, again. You know, if this starts to stretch into... A, a prolonged streak, then that's where I, I really wonder what what the moves are, are going to come. Right? Like it's yeah, yeah. And and again, it's you know, but you know, when we talk about change, change for what? Though? I mean, if they could get Ken Holland, great. If they could get Jim Rutherford, well, yeah, that, absolutely. I, I just, I, I just, with the track record this ownership group has of hiring GMs and then the coaches in turn, which are hired, I did. I, I'm just a little concerned that there it's going to be a la- another lateral move. Yeah. I, and we'll be talking about the same thing three years from now, except name X instead of Benning. Yeah, absolutely. So just let's finish up here um, with a bit of a historical uh, look back. Um, 
all along you've been saying that this team this season would you know, meaningful games longer that they don't have to make the playoffs, but we know that's obviously where ownership and everyone else wants them to be. Um, what's the high market or the high watermark for this team in the second half? Like, do you think they can get on another run like they did at the start of the year and really push to like not just get in the playoffs, but win around? Or do you think it's more likely that they're going to continue to be this up and down? Who knows what they are? Yeah, I, I think that's who, who they're going to be. Now, mind you, I'm also the person. I was reading some of my old columns before I came here and, 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 <laughs> and saying that it looks like the Canucks will draft one one of uh, Cody Glass, Gabe Velarde, or Casey Middlestad in, in the draft a couple of years ago. And, of course, they ended up taking Patterson, nailed another one. Um, so, yeah, I, that, that, that's what I see. That's what I see. And, 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 again, I think it has as much to do with the other teams around them in the West as where the Canucks are right now. And I, I think I, – I know they thought, you know, okay, we get this guy and Furlan turns into an impact player and Ben and Myers and Hughes solidify the defense. And if the goalies both have, you know, stellar years, then, then we can get there. I just think there's a certain there's a little bit of hubris involved in that. I I, I just they had so much ground to make up this year. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing here in the next little while. But having said all that – it's not imperative to make they make the playoffs, but it is imperative they send the right message. They tell the right story here going forward that, yes, we are a team moving in the right, right direction. I know things have been tough for the last four years, and this year wasn't what, what we hoped it would be. But look at what's happened. It's only going to get better from here. Trust us. You can believe us. You believe your eyes. And that's really that that that, that will be that that that's the that's the aim here in the second half of the season. No, I don't want you to give too much away here. But, uh, you know, in, as part of our anniversary series, um, when we were looking at moments for the 80s, right at the end of the 80s, of course, a momentous uh, moment for the Canucks was when they drafted Trevor mm-hmm. Linden. And um, I believe it's the 27th, uh, just after Christmas, uh, you will have a column on that moment and what it Trevor Linden meant to the Canucks and him being drafted. You recently had a, a good conversation with him. Do you care to share any of oh, that? He was, he, he was great. He was very open. And, and to be clear, I said right off the top, look, Trevor, I got to ask you. I know what the answer is. Are you going to comment on the current state of the Canucks? No. Okay, fine. We moved on. Yeah. And he was great talking about, you know... It, I was, I was actually, I had just left Medicine Hat that, that draft year, but I was, Trevor Linden used to watch my golf clubs at the Connaught Golf Course. Uh, so I kind That's of, fascinating. Was, I was very, I didn't know that. very, I was very aware of who he was. And I, I saw him play for, as a 16 year old with the Tigers. And then I moved on to Regina, but I was covering the Western League there. And that year, so I remember a ton of stuff about that year and the whole Medano Linden dynamic yeah. and what a great, it was an unbelievable year in the, in the, in the Western League. Like Theo Fleury was in Moose Jaw and, uh, Joe Sackick was in Swift. And the, every team that came through seemed to have like a first rounder or a potential NHL star in, in the lineup. So that was kind of the backdrop. And then there was also, you know, the point he, he, he came to the Canucks at and the, just this string of abysmal first round draft picks. And it looked like the franchise. And all of a sudden this kid shows up and they kind of catch you know, light, lightning in a bottle to make the playoffs. And damned if they almost don't beat Calgary. So there's a couple of ways I did to come at this story. But, you know, Trevor was really good about talking about all of them. Isn't that what's so sad when you bring a guy back who is so identifiable yeah. with one franchise and you bring him back in the, to, to the front office? And of course, the fairy tale is that he leads you to a Stanley Cup finally. But 
when it doesn't work, when it goes south the way it did, that kind of divorce between an icon and the organization, I, I find I find it kind of sad. Like, I understand why he won't comment on it, but you see these just little daggers all the time. Yeah. Oh, Trevor wasn't at the Alex Burroughs night. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just this constant, mm-hmm. oh, there's got to be a divide between him and ownership. It just feels wrong, doesn't it? Like, at no, some point, it, they have it, to get it, back it, in. It does, and, and it does for a couple of reasons. And here's another one. You look at Ca- Ca- Colorado with Joe Sack. You look at Boston with yeah. Cam Neal. You look at these, uh, Steve Eisenman is back in Detroit. Well, Trevor is our guy. Absolutely. Like, the, 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 whether or not you agree with, I, I, you know, I know he was never that level of player, but he was that important to the Canucks. And, and to me, just having him there and this whole idea of consumer confidence, um, that went such a long way. And I remember the column I wrote uh, when he was hired, and 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 it was just like. This is it. This is kind of like it's the end of the crazy train. There is stability now. There's going to be, you know, there's this you guy. Another one. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Well, it looked that way for a couple, of, <laughs> couple of years. But this guy, you know, will provide you know purpose and identity, all those things, and you know, and plus the his that name means a lot, a ton in this market. And so now here we are again. And I just, you know, Jim Benning doesn't have that kind of cachet. Uh, neither does John Weisbrod, neither do the Aquilinis. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is, they're, they're kind of, they seem to be adrift right now. And yeah, you point to that and yeah, that, that you'd have to say that's, that's where it started. Great stuff, Ed. I look forward to reading that. You can, it'll be, uh, out on December 27th. Get it at our websites or, you know, if you're still into the hard copy of the paper, <clears throat> you want your Steve Tambellini poster, your Kurt Fraser poster. There, uh, part Who of else series. is coming up, by the way? What have well, we, we just, got? we just finished the eighties. Um, yeah. so, uh, you know, we didn't get Jim Benning on a poster. So who knows? But with the nineties are coming up. So, uh, the, you can expect they didn't put linen in the eighties series because I think they had So you're telling me there's no Mola May poster for this? Uh, <laughs> I think he was number 11. <laughs> so, uh, but we did have Tambellini, Garth Butcher, awesome. and, and yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, the Strangler. Um, but uh, yeah, so we continue those articles, and the poster series will start again in uh, in January. And of course, the '90s, as we talked about, I'm sure you'll see Dave Babich and Pavel Bure and Kirk McLean. You know, there's a lot of that's when things really start to pick up, obviously, sure. for current crop of fans. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening, not just this time, but throughout the year. Uh, thank Ed for coming in, Juanita Eng, our producer. Uh, you can continue to get all our Canucks coverage online, theprovince.com, VancouverSun.com. You can subscribe to us through Apple Podcasts. We are going to start in the new year. We're going to start doing contests. If you leave us a comment, uh, tell us what you'd like to hear. We're going to be picking readers at, or listeners at random to win tickets, jerseys, uh, maybe even signed posters. Who knows that? Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, best of the season to you. We'll talk to you in 2020.